0: clutch athletics and rich paul the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community with rising defensive football stars will anderson and chase young on the roster clutch athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes giving them style and performance on and off the field learn more and purchase clutch athletics at newbalance.com to the house, touchdown.
1: this is Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports That's Barton Simmons. That's Danny Connell. I'm Chip Patterson. It's Tuesday night. We've got another fresh set of rankings. I would say our outrage levels are medium, maybe to medium low. Uh, we do have a lot of other things to break down here as we've got uh, the press conference and the continued sort of fallout and the digesting of the shocker news of Chris Peterson, Florida State. We The end of the month came and went. Of course, we've got to figure out where the Seminoles might be going. Danny, as uh, as we've hit this point, championship week, conference championships are coming up. Are, are you do you feel like you see a clean end to this playoff race, or are you uh, pro- prognosticating, or even rooting for some kind of
1: chaos? I am torn, Chip, because I like for the player standpoint. I want it to be clean, right? Like, because I, I hate the fact that you get teams left out, and there's players that laid it all on the line, and that they, you know, thought they were playing for a Pac-12 or a Big 12 championship, and all of a sudden they think they're going to be in the playoff and then they're watching the show on Sunday and all of a sudden their team doesn't get called. Like I hate that from that standpoint, from our standpoint, from our business and what we're all in this for, like, yeah, bring on the chaos. Um, You know, I mean, I guess that's what, (laughs) that's what's supposed to make this sport great. Right. And the playoffs is supposed to be good because it creates controversy, which again is really backwards, but I think it'll be, You know, I think Ohio State will beat Wisconsin. I feel pretty confident about that. Same with Clemson over Virginia. The LSU-Georgia game I do think is interesting. Uh, You know, when the line opened up at around four and a half, moved right up to six and a half, seven points where it is now, a touchdown, that's a kind of a scary number, I think, for LSU. And I do think this will be one of the better defenses they've tested, uh, that they've faced. But every scenario I envision, I'm like, well, how the heck is – Georgia going to put up points on the board, even if they're able to slow down LSU. So I think LSU will win too. But after that, I think then it's kind of that crapshoot. And of course, that's what we love is that debate for who's going to be, you know, who's in in that four spot.
2: So let's assume that the chalk wins out, and um, you know the the status quo stays. It's Ohio State one, it's uh, LSU two, Clemson three, uh, for that four spot, and Georgia loses. It. So for that four spot. Uh, a, I guess, uh, how do you think it should play out in terms of the scenarios of the Pac-12 and the Big 12 championship game, and and B, it, if it's different, how do you think the playoff committee will view those scenarios? Because like, I guess there's all kinds of different. You know, sure, if Utah blows out Oregon and if um, the Pac- the Big 12 championship game is close, then Utah's certainly in. But in in just sort of a reasonable scenario where it, it, there, there's a decision at hand. What is your expectation for the outcome? So I
1: think all along, I think the Pac-12, and started really last week, I thought the Pac-12 was in trouble. Once Oregon lost, and they kind of lost that linchpin, that last championship game that was going to be a top-10 opponent, I said, "Uh uh-oh, this could be trouble. Now, I do think Utah, the fact that they stayed um, ahead of Oklahoma, I think was a big deal tonight um, because I do think – that makes it harder for the committee to leapfrog them, even though they've done it before. But here's the thing, and I am a this is where I'm in a conundrum personally. I think Utah is a better team, I think they're more complete, but I am always going to try to leave the eye test who do you think is better and go with the more deserving team? And then you would look at the resume. And it's got to be Oklahoma. They have more wins over better teams, which is the simplest form of, all right, well, what, you know, what, how do you define a resume? Although Utah does make a pretty significant case that they've been pretty dominant, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I just, I, and Barton, I think you hit on something there. I do think it's going to matter how those games play out and who is most impressive, you know, and I, and then, and then if they're both, Equal, like, let's say Utah wins by a field goal, and let's say Oklahoma wins by a field goal. Then I honestly have no clue what the committee would do. I really don't, and I think it would be a really, really tough decision. Well, does it? Does it?
2: Is it worth? Because whenever we have this conversation, and even on the broadcast tonight, like uh, I, I think you know, Reese Davis asked Kirk Herbstreet about. The, the Big 12 championship game and, and whether they would have a case against Oregon and, or against Utah, and he immediately just started talking about Oklahoma. Right. Like the conversation is consistently and constantly about Oklahoma out of the Big 12. Do you think that with... Because Oregon could... I mean, Baylor could certainly win this game. Do you think that if Baylor were to beat Oklahoma and then they have beaten everyone on their schedule, does that make Baylor, based on that a more compelling
1: candidate than utah i think so if utah won and baylor won i think utah is an easier pick for the committee because and and utah's non-conference isn't great but it's better than baylor's and they could use that as an opportunity to really say hey you know what baylor you know, your non-conference is really subpar. It's not quite getting it done. Utah has a win on the road against BYU. They played a MAC team, you know, which is, you know, a respectable group of five, and they played Idaho State, who's a cupcake. So I think, you know, in that circumstance, I do think the committee would say, okay, Utah, you're in. Even though Baylor would have avenged their loss against Oklahoma, I just think that would be kind of, I think that's the reason the discussion is unfolding that way. I think it's much tougher uh to put utah in over oklahoma than it is baylor
0: oklahoma is not as complete as utah but i could argue that if we're assigning all these points for you know your offense and your defense that the value added for one of the best offenses in the country led by jalen hurts and the fact and this is something that has gone a little bit under discussed i think barton mentioned it earlier on cbs sports hq oklahoma's defense like Yes, it is not in the top five nationally like uh, like an Ohio State or like a Georgia, but it's at the top of the Big Twelve. So in the game that in the kind of games that break out in in the Big Twelve conference, Oklahoma has gone from being near the bottom of the conference and to all of a sudden being near the top of the conference, and that should uh, I think be factored in as we start to look at the Sooners. And it's going to be really really tough when you know what a Lincoln Riley coach team can accomplish for human beings that have watched it time and time again to look at this Oklahoma team. And even if it doesn't have the as complete and as well-rounded a profile, I think the quality wins and just some, just, just some easy muscle memory are going to make it easy for Oklahoma to step in front of Utah. Even if, even if uh, it's not a blowout, super impressive style points win for the Sooners.
2: Hey guys, right. did, did did you I, I just looked this up. Did you even realize this? Oklahoma has is aver is giving up fewer yards per game defensively than LSU is. Yeah. That I sounds mean, that, that like, sounds like, right. It's LSU's given up 345 yards a game and Oklahoma is 26th in the country with 336. Like that's that's a dramatic difference. Than the the Oklahoma where you used to seeing, where last year they were
1: 114th in yards allowed per game, and that's one of that Barton. That's one of the reasons I think the national champion is going to be either Ohio State or Clemson because I do think LSU's defense is a liability and kind of you know I, a lot of people have noticed it and said, hey, you know this defense is really struggling at times. And yeah, there were some second half garbage time points that were given up, but I do think they're a liability when it comes to a national championship. Uh, and I, I also wonder. Like, I think Georgia does have a formula that could potentially work against LSU, and it's very similar to what teams were doing with the Chiefs early in the NFL season. It's run the football, control the time of possession, and don't let Joe Burrow touch the ball. You know, try to hold it for, you know, 40 minutes uh, out of the 60-minute game. Try to just play keep away from them, and that plays right into Kirby Smart's wheelhouse playing with a you know a quarterback in Jake Fromm who's a game manager who's not going to turn the ball over you know DeAndre Swift you'll see a heavy dose of him behind a really good offensive line I think they're going to try to slow the momentum down in that game
0: that is bad news for Ohio State because if Georgia does win I think Georgia goes to 3 LSU goes to 4 and now we've got Ohio State LSU in uh, likely the Fiesta Bowl a, ga- a game that many people have thought could be a national championship all year long. So I'm, I'm with you, Danny, man. I I look at it and I think this Georgia team is really, really good at what this Georgia team does. And I, I haven't given it, enough credit to be compared right up there with the top three teams in the country that I think exist on a different tier, but there is absolutely a way that it can be done. And we just have to look at what LSU did against Auburn. That was 23 to 20. It was low scoring. And if, if there was a quarterback like Jake Fromm on Auburn's roster, especially that early season, Bo Nix, then maybe Auburn pulls off that upset. So I'm, I'm looking at that Georgia potential win and I, I feel like I'm overlooking it in my analysis, but I, I will acknowledge that there is a reality that I can imagine that's not far from where we're at, where the Georgia Bulldogs are celebrating
1: their second SEC championship in three years. I think so too. And what scares me, so I think LSU is going to win. And I, I, I think either I think LSU either wins convincingly, like by 14 or 21, or Georgia wins. Like I don't think I don't envision another scenario like the Auburn game where LSU wins in a close one. And it's just a scary one. Like, I like to put some on a lot of these games. I will not touch this game. I just – it scares me. I think – like, because going into it, before I even saw the line, I was like, oh, give me LSU all day long. Then you see the number open up, and I'm like, oh, okay. Vegas sort of knows something in this one. They're giving, you know, Georgia's defense a lot more credit. I do think the loss of Pickens for the first half, the Cager injury being out, DeAndre Swift banged up, I do think that matters but clearly the touchdown line, you know, that that line of just a touchdown for LSU tells you something about this Georgia defense, which is going to have, you know, they're going to have a plan, and they're going to be able to harass Joe Burrow. They're going to be able to get to him and pressure him, and he's been awesome all season long, and I think he's going to have to be awesome yet again to win this game.
0: Coming up on the other side, Danny talks the Florida State coaching search, Chris Peterson's retirement, and more next. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.
0: I was just going to ask if uh, the winner of the American Athletic Conference championship game is going to walk off the stage and go to Tallahassee.
1: <laughs> oh, really? What, so do you, I don't, what do you think? So I don't know what the heck is going. I wish I could. I wish I could share my DMs because I have open DMs, so I get all these wacky fans. You know, either cursing me out or I have all these <laughs> scoops on who's going to be the next Florida State head coach. It's actually pretty comical. Like I had a guy tell me today he had a friend of a friend. Uh, tell him that Urban Meyer had reached out, reached out to Rick Neuheisel to be his offensive coordinator at USC, and I was like, "All oh, right, you want me to take that to the new? Like I you think, want me to go out there and like that's, like that's what you want me to go with?" I think I got that same DM, Danny. Do I think that too? guy must be just going around DMing people that. <laughs> exactly, he's just just waiting for somebody to take it and run with yeah, it. Right, right. I do think, yeah, I do think it's interesting that this is taking longer, which I do not think bodes well for Florida State. I am just hopeful that maybe they'll look into somebody the same way that the Florida Gators did with Dan Mullen. Because remember, they wanted Chip Kelly, they wanted Scott Frost, those kind of started falling by the wayside and you're like, uh-oh, what are we gonna do? They get Dan Mullen and it's worked out spectacular. Like he's been awesome for that gig. I think Florida State had their eyes set on some different options. Bob Stoops primarily was probably the number one choice that maybe they thought they could. I still think it's a long shot. I mean, he's taken his name out of you know consideration. I think, you know, PJ Fleck was probably a name that was out there. And, you know, imagine being an agent at this time. Like, how easy is it to play these athletic directors and, you know, um, and go and take these options to them and say, hey, hey, Minnesota, Florida State wants your guy. You can you can lock him up now. What does he get? It gets like a massive extension. Same thing happened to Matt Campbell, uh, Campbell at uh, Iowa State. You know, I think he was an option for Florida State. They come sniffing around. What does he do? He gets an extension today. Uh, with Iowa State. It's all this stuff is just getting played um, by all these people. But I do think these are options that Florida State thought were better options than Willie Taggart. And I think the longer this drags on, the worse it is for Florida State as far as the options that are out there. But to your question, I think Mike Norvell would be an outstanding hire for Florida State. I mean, I, I really do. I mean, he's had a success where he is, he's built Memphis up. No, but not built it up, but he's continued the this, continued this success of the program. Um, you know, I like that he's got experience, um, stability, discipline. All, you know, I like all the, the assets that he would bring to the table. So I, I want to I sort of circle back on Mike Norvell. But first,
2: I, I, I'm just sort of fascinated by this. Like, is it, does it blow your mind, Danny? And like, how, how do you respond to the idea that the head coach of Iowa State just said no to Florida State? And we're really not that surprised. Like, is that, what does that mean? Does that mean there's that, that, is that just like a statement on, maybe like a positive statement on parity in college football that guys want to stick around? Is that just, is, is Florida State just that depressing of a situation? Like, what, what do you take from that? Because, not, I mean, look, we don't know whether, how negotiations played out, but it certainly seems that Florida State wanted Matt Campbell and Matt Campbell instead renegotiated with the, a re-up at, at Iowa State.
1: Um, I think it shows you how much money is out there. Where, you know, you used to think, "Hey, we can throw money at a guy. We're Florida State, or we're Florida, or whatever it is." And then all of a sudden, you realize there's other schools that are perfectly capable of matching. Um, and I think Matt Campbell is a a guy that really fits what Ohio Iowa State is doing, like perfectly. He's an Ohio guy. I could see him almost looking at it and say, "You know, I wonder if I'm a good fit in the state of Florida." You know, I, I just, you know, with The type of players you're recruiting with, you know, just the entirety of all of it. I wonder if he just says, you know what, I've got a good thing going at Iowa State. I can stay here. I can pick and choose. But the thing that you're alluding to, Barton, is, you know, it used to be 10, 15 years ago, Florida State was a dream job that anybody would jump at. And I do think it just shows there's more opportunity out there than ever before. So, yes, I think it would be to the parity aspect. I also don't think it helps Florida State that they parted ways with Willie Taggart, after 19 games, I mean, if I'm a mm. coach, I'm looking at the way that unfolded and saying, "Are you kidding me?" You know, if I if I don't, and I get it. If you're a competitor, you say, "Well, I'm not going to have a five and seven and a you know a 500 season. I'm not going to have that." But at the same time, you see some of the dysfunction that's taken place, and Jimbo Fisher leaving there. Um, you know, wondering why Jimbo left there. I'm sure a lot of these questions come into coaches' minds when they're thinking about going to Tallahassee, and I think they're valid questions that people are starting to ask. So go ahead.
2: Well, I wanted to get back to Mike Norvell because I think this is really interesting because um, it seems like that he seems like sort of the odds on favorite at this point. Um, it seems like a sort of circling towards him and who knows, it could be someone totally off the radar, but um, a lot of Florida State fans seem to be thinking
1: that's who it's going to be at this point. And
2: I, I, I sort Those of same
1: fans it, did think it was going to be Bob Stoops, just a reminder. For,
2: for sure. For sure. But I think, I think what's interesting to me is, is, like it's it's not getting great re- response and reaction on like the message boards and in Twitter um, but you seem to think it's a good hire I think it'd be a good hire I think I think that Mike Norvell is is a stud um, what, what would you what would you say to the Florida State fans that have to have their doubts uh, you don't
1: know what you're doing <laughs> you know like I really <laughs> would and I hate to be blunt but yeah. you also just ran off a coach who you didn't really give a fair shot to and I get it was there um, I You ran off Bobby Bowden. I could go over a list of reasons, you know, like the the Florida state fans mistakes that I've seen them make when, you know, they're fans. They're like any fan base. A lot of fan bases get emotional. I have a feeling that Florida state and any program that's had a run of success like Florida state did where, you know, winning national championships, you know, to the 14 year run where they're never outside the top five, you view yourself as a destination spot. Like we were just mentioning. I do think, You get hit with a a smack of a dose of reality of exactly what the rest of the country thinks of your program when people aren't just, you know, desperately clawing away to get your job and lining up at the door where they're actually taking measured approaches. In some cases, they're passing on them. And there's a little bit of an attitude of, well, we need a name. And it's you to see that happen at USC, you know, when they're looking for head coach. Anytime Southern Cal is looking for a coach, they have to make a splash. I do think Florida State feels they're better than Mike Norvell. But I think you've got to go back and do a little bit of self-reflection if you're a Florida State fan and reassess where the program is right now. It's not as attractive as it was at the end of Bobby Bowden's tenure. It's not the end uh, as attractive as it was after Jimbo Fisher, you know, is winning national, a national championship and flirting with LSU in Texas. It's just not the same right now. And I would say the best reaction fans could give from Florida State is trust the process trust the coaching firm, trust the move, and then support it for once and give it support for two or three years or four years or however long it takes to get a coach, to get his recruiting class, his philosophy, his systems in place before you go out there and decide to bash it.
0: Because to not give your support or to all of a sudden be turn to become this very fickle fan base that is going to turn on coaches really quickly – that's how a national championship program becomes Tennessee. Tennessee yep. was competing for national championships and then you just churn through some coaches and and the fan base is not trusting the process, is not supporting it and and I think that Florida State fans would be good to look at in Knoxville and say, "Okay, if we want to get back to where Jimbo Fisher had this program just less like a half decade ago, then it's going to be having to deal with the steps that go here. I mean, was it Jimbo Fisher took over and then to just get back to the ACC championship game was the first step. Then to win the ACC championship game in 2012 was the next step. And then you take the next step and you go on and you, uh, you win a BCS national championship. Mike Norvell is absolutely the kind of coach that can do it. And, uh, and I'm, I'm with y'all. I think, I think it could be good the interesting twist for me is wondering where did Brian Kelly's name come from? Is <laughs> is that an agent related thing or how serious is Brian Kelly, you know, even eyeing potential exit from Notre Dame because Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame would be a giant headline no matter where it is. And especially if it would be to go to a place like Florida state.
1: And, and I think that's where we're only in like the infant stages of this coaching carousel because you know the dom- you know how the dominoes work. Once somebody leaves to take a job, it opens up another one and then, you know, a bigger job opens up or, you know, what if Matt Rule? What if Matt Rule goes to take the head coaching job of the of the New York Giants or the Carolina Panthers or one of these NFL jobs that pop open. You know, what if what if Jim Harbaugh takes the Carolina Panthers job, which I don't know if you guys saw that. He's the odds on favorite to take that job, which is kind of crazy. What if Michigan opens up? Like this all is fascinating and oh by the way on top of that in two weeks you have an early signing day like it's nuts of what's happening right now and how teams are going to be scrambling but chip please do me a favor do not bring up Tennessee when you talk about Florida State fan bases because that was my biggest fear entering as soon as Willie Taggart got fired and you know I saw some of this I was like oh gosh please don't embarrass ourselves away Tennessee just please don't become Tennessee and yet with all the rumors, remember the groomers that were going on in, in Knoxville. <laughs> oh, yes. I feel like we're right there. So now you've got me really scared that if they do hire Mike Norvell, there's going to be an outrage, and they're going to dig up some nasty, you know, thing from his high school prom or some, you know, something that's going to be some, some dark, some something in his past that Florida State fans are going to bring up and try to boycott the move. Please, Chip, please, 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 don't bring that up.
0: Please. <laughs> Please, Florida State because, fans, don't yes, do that. Please
1: handle this better than Tennessee did, please. It's, speaking of speaking of lightning rod candidates, and, and the buzz
2: is starting to die down a little bit. So maybe maybe it was just a blip and 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 they're gonna go in a different direction, but he still seems very much in the mix. Uh Lane Kiffin, Arkansas is are you a believer that Lane Kiffin would be a hit in the SEC in Fayetteville?
1: Uh, I think he'd be a win for Arkansas. I think he'd bring relevance to the program. I think it would help in recruiting. I still think it's a bad job. Like, like I, I, and here's the thing. I don't know if Lane Kiffin would take it. Because I do think Lane is in the position now where, you know, getting back to another conference championship game, he's kind of firmly, you know, cemented himself in the conversation every single year now. So he could be in a position where he says, you know what? I want to be a little bit more picky. I want to be a little bit, you know, choose a spot that I'm going. And the further removed he is from Bama and, you know, from the other jobs that he's had where he's had, you know, when he's left Tennessee after a year, you know, they're well documented. The further removed he is from those, the more attractive he becomes as a head coaching candidate at at better power five schools. So I don't know if Lane takes it. If he does, I think it's a win. And I think he could bring them back to relevance. But I, I don't know if it's a good job for Lane. Are you with me on that? Or do you think Lane should jump all over Arkansas?
2: I don't know. I mean, I think Lane is such a – like there's going to be so many ADs that are scared of Lane, I feel like, um, just with his – I mean, the guy's on Twitter all day long. Um, so I, I, I don't know if he, like how many ADs he's the, he's the fit for. Uh, and, in fact, I was very skeptical on Lane as as sort of – just, I feel like you know, kind of everywhere he's been has sort of been a, a kind of a disaster. Um, but as even as you're just talking just now, I kind of the more I think about it, the more I think, you know, what he's been at these big programs, he can recruit. Uh, does he recruit the right guys all the time? Man, no. But we know he can coach offense. Um, I feel like a middle tier SEC school is is sort of like the sweet spot maybe for him um, to generate some energy, create some offense. Uh, I don't know if he needs the um, the magnifying glass
1: of somewhere like Knoxville, which obviously what you, he's
2: not going back. But
1: don't you think Arkansas is the worst of the SEC options that are open right now? Like with Missouri, Ole Miss, and Arkansas, do you think it's the least appealing option?
2: Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, here, like I, I think if I'm a coach, like easiest to win or and like best job aren't always synonymous to me. right i I would be a little bit i mean i know that missouri you can it's it's a better opportunity to win but i just i mean i know you can rally that that fan base and that um that program around you at at arkansas like those people are hungry
0: right they they've got resources too arkansas will arkansas got pretty good facilities arkansas has got pretty good resources pretty good booster and fan support but uh i don't know if i want to live in fayetteville (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, that's, I no, like, that's like, like I would rather is, be near but, St.
1: Louis. Columbia is kind of cool. Although I have a niece who played tennis at Columbia and I remember talking to my sister and they were saying what a nightmare it was to travel to. It's not the easiest place to get in and out of as far as direct flights. Although if you get a private jet, you know, you get that. It's not that much of an issue. You know, you guys realize what I should do. You know, I live in Boca Raton. So I am literally five minutes from FAU. I'm about three minutes from the executive private airport where all these, I need to like just set up a little tent there by the airport and just with a a big like uh, zoom lens camera and just, I could break so much news. It'd be like those reporters that sat out Brett Favre's, you know, uh, house when he was in retirement, debating on whether to come back. I think I should do it. I think I could be onto something. That'd be a good use of your time, of your yeah. talents <laughs> just sitting out there, I'll sit there with a the hey. camera. I'll just bring Skype out there. I can do all yeah. my TV hits out there. there, you go. there. Live on the yeah. scene. No,
0: this, the thing is, uh, you've got a, a, a massive Twitter following, but a lot of people are picking up Twitter followers right now that are allegedly working the ramp at private airports across the country. <laughs>
1: yes, they are. You know, absolutely. like a guy
0: I know just saw Lane Kiffin and someone who looked like Hunter Urichek getting off the plane here in Fayetteville. That was yep. that was an actual Twitter report. Um, oh my goodness! What would you real quick before we get you out of here? What'd you make of Chris Peterson stepping down at Washington? Uh, is this something that you are taking as a something that is unique to Chris Peterson? I mean, he's a he's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. Who knows? He might decide that he wants to come back to coaching after taking some time away. He sounds earnest to me when I was listening to the press conference in terms of him just needing to get out of the grind, just just change his routine a little bit. The work that he's done so far at Boise State and at Washington is is a, a successful career as it is. Does it surprise you to see someone who seemingly has all this stuff going in the right direction stepping away from the game?
1: No, it doesn't because you know, having covered him, having met him, talked to him in person, I think he's actually like a normal human being. He's not just a football coach, <laughs> you know. Like I oh, think yes. there's a lot. Yeah. There are a lot of coaches in this business who have nothing else to do except coach football. And that can be great. You know, that can be great. That's awesome. Like, and that's what their desire is and they're workaholics. And, you know, they, they put their families on the back burner and they just go all in and they work, you know, 17, 18 hour days and they sleep at the office. And that's great. Other guys, I think, take it a little bit more less, uh, take it a little less seriously um, and I think they have a better perspective of things on life. And it is taxing. It is tough. Even if you're somebody who doesn't work all those hours, you still put in a ton of work and a ton of effort and you build relationships and you do sacrifice things that are outside of, um, you know, football, like your family. And I do think that's something that Chris Peterson had a pretty good beat on. Uh, and I think some coaches were probably jealous of him because they looked at him and said, man, this guy has a lot of success. And he has a pretty good balance. Um, so I think he's just – I think he was – I'll take him at his word. He was kind of burned out. It's not fun when you're losing. And I think he's somebody who truly enjoyed what he was doing and he was good at it, so that's why he did it. And the minute you start kind of – it's not as enjoyable because you're starting to get peppered in the media and your team's not winning as many games. And also, I think it'll be interesting because he's a coach who's 55 and it's not that old. It's still young. And yet, the, the further – the older you get – the further away you are from athletes that didn't complain about pay that didn't complain about um you know hey why coach why do we have to practice so much that didn't ask the why they just you know there's it's a it's a harder job to coach today in 2019 than it was even in 2009 just 10 years ago when you were at Bo- think about it he was at Boise State everybody's there because they just want to play football right Now he's got guys that want to go to the NFL and they want to be stars and they want to do this and they want to build brands and be on Instagram. And if you don't play them, they're going to transfer. Like I think Chris Peterson is probably like, you know what? This isn't worth it right now for the hassle. I'm just going to step aside, made a boatload of money. I'm going to, you know, still stick around the program and you know and be, you know, be a part of the program, but be a part of something without all of the hassle and the headache. And I think that's probably what it boils down to.
2: The got quoted Confucius in his press conference. He's, <laughs> he, he he ain't your average football coach. No.
0: Just a different dude. Uh, mm. he, he is Danny Cannell. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We need to honor Chris Peterson and work on our own life balances and get back to our families. So, but uh, thank you so much for taking some time to, uh, to talk with us here on Tuesday night, gentlemen.
1: You guys are the best.